Well, it's Tuesday the 18th of January and uh, here's a New Year podcast from Lucy and myself who are celebrating a bit of a, a win, aren't we, Lucy, in the Bristol Bath and Somerset uh, Tourism Awards? Yes. Well, we're a finalist. Yes, we're a win. Fi- well, it's almost it's a finalist, win. So we're happy with that. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, that's the Resilience and Innovation Award. So we're a little bit chuffed about that, and uh, hopefully we're going to be uh, announcing either a bronze, silver, or a gold very, very soon. Yes, and a lot of that is well, nearly all of it is to do with how we responded to COVID. So this is very apt for our special guest, isn't it today? Yeah, indeed. And uh, our special guest down the other end of the line is Alistair Handyside, who is the executive chair of the Professional Association of Self-Caterers. My God, that's a long business card. Hello there, Alison. <laughs> Hello. Welcome. I'm glad that uh, you could make it, and thanks very much for sparing us some of your time today. Yep. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, we've had a bit of a preamble this morning, and uh, you've had donkey's years you know in in the hospitality industry um what got you involved in hospitality and what made you such an advocate um I, well i came out of doing 25 plus years in it which um you know it's a wonderful career for some but i uh, uh, we, we decided we want to do something different we moved from uh, the middle of the country uh to devon uh chose to come to devon found a beautiful farm that hadn't been developed and knew that we could turn it into something really special. Um, What I didn't know at that time was how much I would actually fall in love with hospitality as a general term. Hospitality is the easiest job in the world because your job description is everything you do is to make your guests have a better time. And if you do that and everything you do is driven to that, it's actually really easy to get it right. It's when people try and shortcut cut costs, shave corners, that things start to go wrong, and then, you, you know, it becomes a problem. So you know, it's a great business. I would commend wider hospitality to people. It's a great place to have a career and advance. You know, it's not something that necessarily you need any qualifications to start. So it's a, it's, it has a great career. Self-catering specifically, uh, that's what we wanted to do. I mean, for the life of me, 20 years ago, I'm trying to remember specifically why. Um, I, I think it's a business we thought that we could um, – you know, manage uh, properly. You know, I don't think we felt confident that we would end up having like a big kitchen and trying to be doing meals for everybody every day and and trying to manage, you know, very complicated uh, aspects of the business um, while we set out on our hospitality journey. And, you know, we found self-catering, you know, high-end green self-catering was very successful from the start 17 years ago, and it has continued to be so. And we love it. We absolutely love it. Mm. And uh, and you believe that there's a there's a future for professional self caterers, if you like, in in the hospitality sector in the UK. Yes, I do. And you know, four or five years ago, whenever it was, I, you know, I I realised that there wasn't an association for professional self caterers. Mm. Professional self caterers have a bigger burden than casual self late caterers. Uh, we are expected to absorb business rates. We are. You know, expected to charge VAT, we uh, in the main comply with with a huge uh, uh, book. I'll lean across a pink book of legislation, which is dedicated just to us uh, and and the professional ones like 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 you guys. You take that all terribly seriously. The casual 
uh, uh, lettings that you might find popping up and down off of, of Airbnb and places like that. They just don't. Um, so th- there needed to be somebody who was shouting out to the professional self-caterer for a level playing field, which is, you know, level playing field for all who operate in this sector, taxation, regulation. And then when we came into COVID, support, a level field playing field for the support that we uh, lobbied for. So um, it would be uh, churlish of me not to say that PASC really came into its own with the, with the pandemic. Mm. Um, people who didn't think they needed any help at all to run a self-catering business before found out that they did. Um, and we have a you know a much bigger membership as a result, which means we're much more effective with government as a result, which means we were able to write the cleaning protocols, which 135,000 copies have been downloaded, which gives us a shout in government. So now that they're looking at doing things like the statutory registration scheme, guess who's at top table? We're at top table. So all the support that businesses like you have given us during that time by joining, by supporting, by downloading, by signing petitions, by writing letters has meant we're at top table with UK hospitality, with the Tourism Alliance. So, you know, we're we're able to, to be effective. People say, how does lobbying work? 99% 99% of the time you are trying to stop something happening rather than changing something. Getting change in government is almost impossible. Stopping them doing something bad is the best possible thing you can do. Once something gets on the statute books, it's very difficult to get off. Yeah. So a huge amount of work is unseen because it's going, no, please, 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 <laughs> please, please don't do that. And and teaching them the unintended consequences. They 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 in in, in their defence they have to be jack of all trades. They can't know the specific ins and outs and consequences of a self catering business or a bed and breakfast business or a a glass manufacturer or a loudspeaker designer. They they can't know what rules have uh, 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 as consequences. So that's the job of associations to do that. Which is why every sector has a professional association. If you were a blacksmith, you'd, you'd be a member of your association. If you were a you were an electrician, you'd become a member of an association. So it's just a normal part of, of British lobbying life. And has has PASC or the professional association had a long history? Then, Alistair, is this something that's been in existence for uh, well since before you were in the uh, in the industry yourself? Or no, I I, I established PASC. I set PASC up entirely. On my own, I had previously been the chairman of something called ESCO, which was the English Association of Self Caterers. That was very um, agent dominated and agent specific, and and as an organisation, if I can be brutally honest, it wasn't very effective. Um, and I wanted to go in a different direction, so we parted on very good terms. Um, and PASC is now the dominant self catering association in in the UK. So. You know, I think we we took the right line of travel, which was business support for members and lobbying support for members. Um, And and, and that's what we do. We're not trying to sell you stuff. You know, once you paid your membership fee, you know, single cottage from £70, that's it. Doesn't matter how many times you ring me, doesn't matter how many papers I send you. You know, we're not in the business of selling. We're in the business of supporting and making this this sector more successful. From um, Exmoor Character Cottage's perspective, I joined, we were talking about this earlier, I joined just after COVID hit. Um, I was reading your newsletters, which were coming out every week and were very detailed. 
And what I was struggling with was trying to get my head around the legislation and also the frustrations of how some of that legislation just didn't seem to reflect the reality of running a self-catering business. And many of our guests will know we are very, very detailed with our cleaning processes. And our cleaning protocol came from partly from the past guidelines and also from um, some work that David was doing in Portugal, actually, which was ahead of the COVID curve versus the UK. Um, And we still cling to that protocol. And I don't think we will ever stop doing that because it's excellent. And, uh, you know, there's nothing that people like less than arriving somewhere and finding it not to their standard of cleanliness. And in fact, one of our girls um, stayed at a cottage, self-catering cottage last week and she rang me as soon as she got back to tell me how unhappy she was with the standard of cleaning. And, um, you know, I found PASC to be so valuable with that information. And as you were saying, Alistair, there were 92 business um, pieces of business legislation that came out during COVID. I would never have been able to get my head around it. And certainly even David, who is a compliance expert, it was hard going, wasn't yeah. it? Wading yeah. through that stuff, making sense of it, and then putting it into action sometimes within 48 or 24 yeah. hours. Yes. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I mean, we laugh now. It wasn't funny at the time. No, <laughs> no and we were we 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 had um, um, just to give you a kind of how it looked from the PASC office. Um, there's me, pretty much full time. Lorna, we were in lockdown a lot of it, so we weren't doing changeovers. So let's you know. So Lorna was able to help. My two daughters were working from home, and my my wife made sure they came home from London. She didn't want them in London in lockdown in a small flat. Um, and at one point, all five people, my son, my two daughters, Lorna and I, were all on the phone. They'd all found all the different numbers through Hire Wiscombe, through PASC, through whatever, however they did it, all asking the same questions. So each week, the questions, as you say, would be the same. How do I, how do I deal with this new 24-hour thing so because they all saw the newsletter they could all answer the question of people ringing in so at times we were having 200 to 300 phone calls a day into this 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 is a this is not this is not a call center it's your home it's it's well it's where we run high whiskey from our business and where we run past from and now it's manageable i can i can just about do all the phone calls and all the emails in a period of no new restrictions and a few questions about grants, because people are now moving on to questions about the stuff we want to cover in this call, which is the future, not, mm-hmm. not the past. But so the, the, the momentum has changed. But it was pandemonium, Lucy. You're, you're quite right. How, how any government expected small businesses to be able to understand and implement what they were asking them to do at sort notice when guests have already booked... You know, it was turmoil. So, you know, I'm really glad we went through that. I think probably, um, I th- I'm not glad we went through it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's over is what I was trying to say there. I'm glad it's over. I never, ever want to to have to do pandemic stuff again. I don't, wouldn't, you know, wish it on anybody. However, what's happened as a result of pandemic is that self-catering is seen as uh, the safest of the hospitality spaces. It's the only space where you're able to determine who you share that space with. Mm. So we are in a unique situation. And I think that's why we are seeing um, you know, a renaissance um, because people can decide who they're going to be with. 
and, and, and not have to share. So the current booking situation is good. The last quarter of 2021 was up 30-ish percent on the equivalent quarter in 2019. Going ahead this year, in the first quarter of this year, it's up about the same, 30, 30, 30 to 40 percent. The quarter's not over yet, of course, so the first quarter this year will most certainly be a record ever Q1 in self-catering. So will quarter two, so will quarter three. Okay, so we're going to have a very, very, very good year. It doesn't mean everybody's going to have a very, very good year because the, the pandemonium of last year, where you could only go to the UK, won't exist in the same form. So those people who had a horse box, who put two bunk beds in it and put it on Airbnb, who could let it last year, will have quite a lot of vacancies this year, okay? Because people aren't going to pay a thousand pounds for that anymore because they'll have choices, they'll be able to travel. So we will see a record year, particularly for good businesses. Um, Going beyond uh, that, as hopefully we kind of have to try and have for this conversation that international travel will come back and appetite for international travel will come back, businesses need to position themselves to be ready for what some will see as a reduction in bookings. Well, that's a harsh way of looking at it, because if you could only book in the UK, you're obviously going to do better than when you had competition. So we've had a, we've had a, a, a good run and we'll have a good run certainly in 2022 and we may get a legacy into 2023 a lot of people will be very nervous to travel if they have to have covid passports and they have to do all kinds of testing any of those things increases reluctance to travel i know if for example you know, um, uh, elderly people we know have said they won't travel abroad again because mm-hmm. they feel vulnerable and they want to be near their nhs so you know there's a lot of reasons where a lot of people will continue to holiday in the uk as opposed to go abroad so we've got to think about how we position a business to fulfill that um, uh, desire uh, and give the guests the ultimate uh, experience that they're looking for, and at the same time, actually make some profit from the business. Uh, Alistair, could I just ask, the, the, the figures that you quote there in terms of having sort of best ever quarter on quarter performance, is that from a, a, a value or an occupancy base? So in other words, is it that the, the prices are increasing within the, the higher end sector in self-catering? So therefore, financially, we'll get we'll see a better uh, a, a better performance. Or is it that we've still got a buoyant market? People still want to get away to our, our type of cottage? It, 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 first of all, it's very buoyant. I mean, the the uh, the traffic to the sites is very very high. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the figures I gave you are occupancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's much easier to to compare it with uh, the number of bookings, the occupancy, because you know people were charging twice the price and it's gone up by forty percent. It's actually less occupancy, mm-hmm. so it's 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 forty percent up on the number of physical days booked. So that's the increase. Now, pricing, that's a really, really good question, David. Um, all the data we have on pricing is that pricing is not rising in line with inflation. But when you're looking at data that's coming from across 20, 30, 40,000 properties, um, that doesn't surprise me as much. Uh, a lot of people are not confident about putting their prices up. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll, we'll move the conversation on when, when you're ready into how you can move your prices up and still give value for money. Uh, 
Mm. Uh, you know, putting your prices up and just putting your prices up is not the answer. You can't just say, <laughs> oh, I'll put my prices up by 50%. You have to do something for that. You have to earn it. You have to make it so the guests will still think it's um, reasonably good value and a great experience. So that's, you know, pricing is not rising in line with inflation across the sector currently. And now we see the rise in energy prices and the rise in labour prices. And I'm sure you've been confronted with rising linen prices and rising cleaning material prices. I think in hospitality, we're talking about uh, inflation running at between 15 and 20% for uh, uh, most of those things. So if it's not even going up by, by average inflation, you can see people are falling behind. So there does need to be a price adjustment across the sector. Yeah. How do you do that across 100,000 small businesses? I have no idea. People, <laughs> have to, they'll just have to, you know, do it. Um, they'll just have to look at their pricing, look at what they're offering, and make sure that they're 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 they're, they're, they're doing the right thing. I mean, I, I do think I think it's encouraging in, in what you said about the the professional side of the market. If you like, is able to sort of reinforce their offer, offer more. Uh, potentially increase prices, you know, in line with the market, with expectation, not overpricing, but, you know, increasing uh, with the market. And certainly, you know, as a, as a cottage business with three hot tubs, you certainly notice when those are running at 40 degrees, uh, you know, in the winter, how much energy they're consuming uh, and therefore the impact on our bills. And you add the spectre of electric vehicle charging into that. And there's another uh, jump there in in average day-to-day -day running costs. And these are the things that a business like ours is juggling all the time. And the point you make about chemicals is absolutely mm. pertinent. I mean, I see the cost of cleaning materials and chemicals going up all the time. Um, and hot tub chemicals in particular, but sometimes we couldn't even get them. So I was batch buying them um, and that's a, a big cost up front when some of these things are, you know, they're in the hundreds of pounds. I don't think people appreciate. Um, and obviously, we, we're we very careful about where we store all of these things as well. So that's another thing. You don't want to have too many chemicals on site. So, um, yeah, the, the price um, the price increases hit us everywhere. And you're seeing that across the board with other businesses. A lot of our trades have put their prices up as well. So the plumbing has gone up. Getting hold of materials is really difficult when we need to replace a shower tray or a, a particular size shower screen. We've had to wait almost a year to get a shower screen. Um, so we're only now putting a bathroom in, which is just, you know, crazy, crazy stuff. It, it is. We've navigated it all. But there's a balance, you see. A lot of the people who are listening to this will be, th be thinking, oh, there's that, that nasty man suggesting that the prices need to go up. It needs to be understood what the value is. I mean, we saw an advertisement last week for a holiday cottage for seven nights, which initially we thought it was for two people, for £140. That's £20 per night. That's £10 per person per night. What do you really expect to get as a member of the public? for £10 per person per night. You know, you've really got to look at the value proposition here that self-catering offers, even at increased prices. It's still the best value holiday that you can have in the United Kingdom. So, you know, when, we're, when you're hearing on this podcast that Alistair's saying, you know, people need to look at their pricing, listen to what Lucy's just said, and listen to what I just said on a person per person per night basis, and you realise you're getting stunning value from self-catering. And I think people do need to look at it at a per person or per yeah. family 
price. And we often have uh, two families come and stay in our bigger cottages where we sleep eight plus babies and dogs. Um, and, and I look at what they've paid for a week in August and I think, well, OK, they paid half of that each. There are four of them. They've each got a baby and they bought two dogs. You couldn't stay in a hotel or a and b for that for two or three nights. Yeah. And they've got a beautiful garden, a hot tub, parking for two cars, a welcome tray, you know, a, a book with walks to do in the local area. Uh, on tap advice, if they need something, someone's there within, you know, 20 minutes, sometimes quicker than that. We bend over backwards. Like you say, we talk we talk about happy holidays at Exmoor Character Cottages and every single member of the team is tuned to that. We, that is what we do. We are there to make sure everyone has a wonderful time. Um, and I think sometimes you don't, you certainly don't get that service in a hotel. I stayed in a hotel recently and I thought, my God, if this was my hotel, I'd had every single one of these people would be in a training room right now listening to me talking about customer service because there, there was none. Mm. Well, I think uh, let's, should we move on to the, to the, to the offer? Yeah, I, I mean, for, for me, Alistair, it, it is, you know, we're hopefully in the last throes of the pandemic, you know, and I'm touching lots of wood and my own head here, you know, that we are in the, in the last few months, hopefully, of it. What would you say, what, what would you say we've learned and the legacy of the pandemic that will lead us to the future? Are, are, have you got a, a sort of a, a collection of legacies, if you like, that you think will last I think there are are pros and cons. Um, You know, we've seen that there are businesses that uh, take compliance very seriously, and we've seen a very large number of businesses that didn't take compliance at all seriously in in lockdown. They were taking guest bookings in lockdown. They were nicking up, you know, notice of the cleaning protocols. So we know we have a very fractured sector of uh, things, which is why I'm now extraordinary plays that we didn't call it something like British self-catering, that we called it the professional association, because I'm really only interested in professional businesses and what they can do Mm. and how they uh, react to these things. What we found is there are a lot more professional businesses than we ever thought there were. So, you know, there's there's, there's pros and cons from that. I I think we've seen that um, in a a bull market, you, you can let that horse box, but that bull market won't exist for very very long if at all if it even comes back this summer we saw a lot of the extended day campsites around here that opened a bit too late to take advantage of the extra days actually getting no bookings at all you know we got to capacity about you know with all the extra stuff last summer for even when you couldn't travel abroad so now we need to focus on why would people want to come and stay with us when they have a choice when you're not the last one left so you need to make sure that you're you're right at the top of someone's desire list, not the only one left on the availability chart. So those things that I think we've learned is, uh, and Lucy said it earlier, clean. I mean, clean, clean isn't going to change now. Um, people's expectancy of how clean a cottage will be is is has gone up as a result of the pan- pandemic dramatically. Uh, we uh, do the same uh, as, as Lucy's doing at. at at our high Wiscombe, um, we we will do the COVID cleaning protocols as our cleaning protocols because the virus side that we use, which I can quote all the part numbers on at the top of my head, um, they don't just kill COVID, they kill all viruses. So you're actually sanitising the building 
uh, are the key touch spots, the key uh, contact points, whether someone's touched it and had flu or whatever. I don't know enough words to use in case I say something wrong. But basically, you're doing a, a, a sort of three quarters, 80% deep clean each week. And that gives the guest a much better experience and gives them confidence. If they know your cleaning protocols are, you're taking them terribly seriously. That's question one. You know, you walk into a place and it's not clean. Your 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 holiday experience is on, on the race to the bottom from then on. People then start looking for faults on top of it. You know, once somebody finds something wrong in our game, they're looking for the second, third, and fourth thing. That's that's just the nature of how it works. So clean is is absolutely numero one. The second thing is that I think people uh, value their away from home time much more from having been locked down. So they want a really good experience. So I, I, I would say we need to be clean, green and tech. So we've done clean. Green is recycling. It's not just, you know, a big bin to throw everything in. Show you do it properly. Show you do it. Show you deal with it. Show where it goes. You know, are, are you? Are, is your collection company um, zero to landfill? I mean, there are all kinds of classifications you can get with partners. Our, bis, our recycling partner is zero to landfill. So we are zero to landfill as, as a business. So you, we can make these statements. Um, you can look at putting in all kinds of low energy um, things. I mean, light bulbs is obviously the most obvious, but Heating is going to be so expensive for the next four to five years. You can look at a business proposition to put in lower energy heating and explain to the guests. And generally, low energy heating means more input, means more work. It's harder to manage than just an oil boiler on a thermostat. So you know, there's more work to be done, more guest interaction, more guest understanding. But they will get it. I mean, we've had biomass here for, I don't know, seven, eight years. And a huge number of the guests want to see the biomass boiler. Mm, yeah. So, you know, it's it's part of the whole thing. So low energy, trying to get your bills down, and then, as is always the case, a total contradiction, uh, you need to put electric vehicle charging in because 28% of all cars registered last year were electric. Um, we're rewriting the past paper on electric vehicle charging because whereas in the past people were happy to let guests have that as an inclusive part of the price, there is a real move against that now um, uh, with the price of electricity. So trying to find mechanisms to charge fairly for that electricity, but you've still got to be able to provide it. And that can be an infrastructure problem for some, you know, putting eight car chargers in on a rural site where you're already at the capacity of your electricity may not actually be possible. So there are some real issues uh, on that, but, you know, energy is, 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 is part of tech now and green they're they're combined moving on to technology we used to have guest books i don't know if any of your 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 listeners viewers ever ever remember having a a guest book that they flipped through when they went to the cottage that's old, have them. that old hat now lucy get touch day <laughs> i've never seen feedback on a product like i've seen on touch day since i left technology 20 years ago it is outstanding um, the guests love it what happens is if a restaurant changes its opening hours, all you do is pop into your back of the app 
change the hours and all your customers can see the changed hours instantly. You don't have to go out and modify the books or see if they've removed the map to the donkey sanctuary or taken away the list of dog-friendly pubs out of it or anything. It's all in one place. You can put a QR code in the hall and they just QR code it and they've got your app, all your stuff, only your stuff available. Cheapest chips. So that's a classic example of a tech product which has broken down the barriers of small businesses using tech to improve the guest experience. There are, there'll be lots. We're looking at another one, which is a cleaning app, which um, is to enable uh, the, the, the housekeeping staff to, to photograph the work that they do. You as the manager sign it off. That sends a report to the guests as they're on their way down to you to show that you're clean, green, and ready to go. That makes huge customer confidence. It also means that you're, uh, housekeeping staff are very uh, conscious that they're photographing their work, so they'll they'll do those towels that just that little tiny bit better, and it stops the occasional awkward guest who'll say the sixty-two inch television was hanging off the wall when we arrived, not after we left. So um, it, it has a three-point benefit. So lots of technology coming in. Wi-Fi, gotta have Wi-Fi. I know you're planning on having the ability to have a sort of Wi-Fi off-grid free thing. That's a great offer. But for 90% of people, Wi-Fi is like the new hot water. Um, We've got to be able to provide Wi-Fi to our guests. If if the Wi-Fi here doesn't work, you know, someone's at the door tapping their phone like this. Yeah, we have have business broadband, which I invested in many years ago because the minute it goes down, you ring BT, they have to get someone out in 24 hours. If you're on a domestic supply, they can take as long as they like, seven yeah. to ten days. And in Dunster Village, that happened once before it was a holiday let when I was living there. And I thought, never again, because I can't live without Wi-Fi. Nobody can. So we have very fast broadband, and, and our guests do often comment on it. And also, when you've got eight people, so let's say you've got three teenagers. They're all streaming they want to watch something on TV. The, our only issue is we have some very, very thick walls. And in one place, they're six foot because they're two cottages side by side. You're not going to get Wi-Fi if you're sat next to a six foot wall at the back of a ho- old cottage. But in the main, it's pretty, pretty damn fast. And, and you're, it is absolutely essential. You're right. It, it's a no brainer. And then, you know, I'd end up with the last thing is, is, you know, how do you prove any of this stuff? How do you how do you on a on a thing called the internet where the trust level of the general public isn't perhaps at its highest when they're scrolling through? The best evidence is photographs, photographs, video, drone video to show that the beautiful location you're in, um, and then and then dedicated videos. We've done a few on um, uh, the coastline near where we are. We've done uh, where you can take your dogs. We've done for the top two attractions and. You can get these little videos and they're great for social media, but they're also great to show people what they can do on holiday because they won't go and look at the Visit Dunster Guide. You've got to do all the signposting. You've got to do all the work. Their time is limited. So I'd say clean, green, tech, and and use the tech. You know, five years ago, all we ever used to say to people is photos. Photos now means Drone video means dedicated videos. The amount of young, talented people out there who'll come and do videos for two, three hundred pounds a day and give you the most amazing content is is outstanding. And they really can highlight your beautiful properties. 
We had um, a guy, Howard, who worked for us during the first summer lockdown in 2020, and we did five videos. Um, and he's a, a BBC-trained uh, videographer, and it was amazing. We have used those videos, haven't we, David, so many times. Mm. Um, they have voiceover, they have music. We don't have to use a voiceover, but it was um, it was the first time we'd ever had a closed, you know, closed cottages during the summer. So we, whereas in the past our video and um, camera work had often been in the down season, so it's not always at its, you know at its best. Being able to do it in the summer was amazing. We had the poppies out and the roses, and you know boiling sunshine on the hot tubs it was amazing and i i would say you know we we do aim to do video as much as possible particularly for social media because it gets so much more engagement yeah absolutely and people love to walk around the cottages don't they with the interactive video the matterport videos that we've got you know people love to go and see and almost identify which of the guests are going to have which of the bedrooms well they they do that do do they do that in yours Alistair we have um sometimes when I do the pre-arrival call I'll say so do you know which rooms which room the baby will be in you know where would you like us to put the cot and their knowledge of what's in the bedrooms <laughs> is as good as mine because they've watched the video so much. Well, I think you know we 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 do we we have a very different business profile than yours. We you know we aim at groups of twenty to thirty four. So um, having the Matterport videos, the virtual tours of the building for us, we we've had them since uh, ACT started uh, t- 10, 12 years ago. I mean, the first ones were can I say grainy by comparison <laughs> yes, to yeah, the modern one? Yeah. Uh, but they, they've always been a, 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 a hugely powerful tool. When someone's saying, well, you know, how you know, how close is the sitting room to the dining room where 30 people are going to sleep? Whatever you describe over a telephone is not going to give them a picture of what sits there. You know, if you describe what your house looks like from the outside, somebody on the phone and ask them to draw it and send you a picture, you'd be horrified. <laughs> so, you know, having this proof again yes I, I said that kind of trust that it builds mm. they yeah. can walk through they can open the loo door they can open every bathroom door yeah. they, these things build trust and confidence in the product Absolutely. as well you- as as well as inform they do, yes. they do two things because the other thing that we found it really useful for is people with disabilities or with um, older parents or uh, visually impaired is one where quite often I'm able to say, well, have a look at the video. And they can see it on the screen, but they're worried about stepping up and, Mm. you know, hard flooring and that kind of thing. So they're fantastic for that. And also for people often with dogs want to know the layout. So they're trying to figure out where can they get a dog crate at night? Where's the best place? And I can say, well, how big is it? And they say, oh, it's about this by this. But I've had that before where someone has described something as, Say, oh, it's 10 centimetres by 30. And I've said, well, what dog is it? Because it sounds like a hamster. And then, you know, people don't always get their dimensions right. So sometimes it's you need to see it, don't you, on the on the map and on the follow the video around. So I totally agree with you. And also I think there's an element of being confident enough to to have a video done of your property, yeah. warts and all. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I wouldn't book a property that I could only see six photographs of. No, uh, no, I totally agree with you. And, and you know where you really see that is when you look on Rightmove and you look at places for sale and you see how they've stood with a funny lens and they've done a, a wonky angle and the house looks enormous. And then 
you drive past it and it's tiny. Yeah. So, you, you know, it's very, it can be very misleading. So video is great for that. But then we have the challenge, having said all of that, to leave just enough on the table that when they come in, they say, oh, it's even better than I expected. Yeah. Yeah. So we have that impossible juggle to yeah, provide to uh, our yeah. of of, yeah. of leaving something to make it uh, so that they go, wow, when they arrive. Mm. Yeah, that's absolutely right. The wear factor is still so important. And, uh, you know, so clean, green and tech, Alistair, this is... Yep. This is these are the the legacies effectively, aren't they, from what we've been through in the last couple of years? Is that where you think the next five years is in yeah. the market as well? So absolute focus on those on those sort of three key areas. Yeah, it's got to be. You know, when when you know, if 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 if, if a guest is here, they could still still come up and say, you know, where's the best place to eat? They're never going to stop doing that, and we desperately don't want them to do that. But when we say it's the rusty pig in Ottery St Mary, plug plug. I now on the app, they can just go on the touch day app. They just go down to places to eat. There's a map in that app, which they can, you know, call up and it can navigate them to it. There's, they click onto it. There's the menu. They can see the menu and there's the book a table link. Mm-hmm. So they can do the whole thing, which you just cannot do from a welcome book. No. So they'll go through that whole transaction and, and do it. And it'll be you that they remember pointed all that out to them. It'll always be, it was, it was it was um, uh, D- David and Lucy's recommendations because it's your app. It's not a you're not going on to a a, a booking.com type. Mm-hmm. You're going on to your app. It's only your information that you put on there, mm-hmm. and you can put all of the washing machine um, instructions and the dishwasher instructions and the fire um, uh, risk assessment and and the and the hot tub rules and the you can put the whole lot on there. Mm. So, yeah, you've sold it, Alistair. I think yeah. we'll definitely That's, do that. that. And then once the guests start getting used to using one piece of tech to interact, they will use more, which will make their experience better. I mean, you know, it, it booking, you're, you're, you're not going to be able to book restaurants in two years' time unless you book them online because, mm. people, because of no-shows. So people will want you to book online. So you're now facilitating easy booking online. Click, click, click. Mm. we'll definitely um we'll definitely look into that in the dark days of january and there is a pask discount on it as well say you're a pask member and they will give you a discount too lucy okay i shall put that on my to-do list i've just had a quick look at it while we've been on the phone it looks amazing well i want to be first to say let's get a robot in because uh, that that's got to happen. We actually need one of those walking Androidy robots, and I don't mean a Sony Ivo. Well, yeah, that's right. We'll just do anything as long as it's automated. I mean, just a quick segue from there, uh, Alistair, about discounts uh, for Pask members. Is where does Pask go from here? Then you know what is what is Pask's purpose in that same sort of five year period. Bizarrely, we have never had as much uh, legislation coming down about the self-catering sector in 20 years as we've had in the last six months and in the next six months. Uh, Scotland, um, the uh, government is uh, incredibly anti uh, the sector and is coming up with uh, draconian licensing laws and possibly retrospective planning laws, which will have a massive impact on the sector. In Wales, they they traditionally had a bit of a problem with uh, second homes in Wales. I don't know if you're young enough to remember. Yeah. yeah. They used to burn them down. Mm. Um, That's 
not quite back to that level, but we've got three vast pieces of work, consultations with the government on taxing the sector more, on prohibiting the sector more, uh, uh, and again, planning impacts on the sector again, which will mean that members in Scotland and Wales' business are, are under some considerable threat. In England, it's less so, but we are having a statutory registration scheme coming, which we welcome. We want people to be safe and legal, and hopefully we've got the momentum on that for that to be a, a, a positive uh, uh, um, movement forward and a positive change. But if we don't manage that on an almost daily basis, we will get unintended consequences of that as well. So we've got a huge legis legislative and taxation agenda from government on this sector. And, and you know, you, you don't really want to be under the government spotlight because as we've covered in conversations we've had, they're, they're not experts. Uh, we're the experts. They're, they're, they're jack of all trades and they will make mistakes in legislation. So if we can't stop that legislation going onto the statute books, it's very difficult to get it off. So we, we've got an appallingly busy schedule at the moment, which is just dealing with government proposed legislation on our sector, on our little tiny sector. I would just want to sort of end with one question. Why on earth? when the whole economy is in recovery or trying to get into recovery and we're all trying to recover you know from where we've been in this terrible journey in the pandemic are we being affronted with more legislation than we've ever seen on the sector now, i know it's because they saw a staycation boom last year but as i've said in this call i don't think that's going to remain at that level because this year and next year, people will be able to go abroad. They weren't able to go abroad last year. So they're not doing a like for like. And we've got to you get data together to prove all that. And it's exhausting, but it's where we'll go. But we want to spin from that the positives, which are support. So we're creating all kinds of webinars on all kinds of subjects from uh, pool safety, fire risk assessments, uh, hot tub safety, uh, how to get more bookings, all of those kind of things we're going to be running through to try and give the business support to the members as well. Uh, and if you're not already a member, then Alistair, where can I, I would I would urge you to join? As I said, yeah. we're, not, we're not a high we're not we're not a high level selling organisation. So you would say that, but I'm going to say as well as mm. someone who is a member, because it was. Um, you know, the support that we got, the information that we continue to get, it is outstanding. And you cannot run a small business without being informed about what's going on. You can miss some of this legislation if you just have been busy doing your job cleaning cottages or working in the garden or putting in an EV point, and then suddenly you discover there's a piece of legislation you weren't on top of. That's That doesn't happen because I read the PASC newsletter every single week. And David and I talk about these things and what impact it will have on us and where we need to act and what we need to do. So I think anyone who's got, you know, who's not a hobbyist self-caterer should be a member of PASC. Mm. And it's not expensive. It's not like joining a great big, you know, countrywide um, trade body. It, it isn't. And you are in a trade body with people who are actually doing the same as you. So I, it's a great um it's a great organisation to be a member of. And you do so much, you know, and it, it, I, I sometimes, I, I, I read your newsletters and I feel a sense of being overwhelmed with how much there is to do. And I'm, I wonder at how you get it all done, but you seem to do it but, very um, Some of the biggest challenges are trying to do the stuff here, trying to find the stuff, time to do the stuff here. So, yeah. but I think, I think, you know, what you've got to do is you've got to, you know, I say to people, 
if I, if, I, if I was receiving it, I'd print it off. I know that's not very green, but I would print it off and I'd go through it with a marker pen. And I'd say, I don't need to do anything on that page. I need to do that one. And I, I'd then get that onto a list to do. But there will be certainly be five things you need to do a week in a past newsletter that will make your business better and more profitable, most likely. You know, that's what we're driving you towards. We're not we're trying to say, these are the rules, these are the rules. That's pointing that out to you. But we're always trying to find optimistic things as well that you can do to improve your business, to make you more profitable, to make your guest experience that you offer better. Yeah, uh, and, I, and I think uh, I would back up what Lucy said. And as a, as a member of the Institute of Risk Management, when, when I'm faced with 200 things to do, as we were two years ago, almost two years ago, with different legislation and different rules and lots of different um, standard schemes, wasn't there? You know, it was get a badge for this, get a badge for that, prove your compliance with this. Is actually there was only one place that found that sort of middle line through it all. Uh, and that was PASC. So you've made my job an awful lot, uh, an awful lot easier as well. So from my side, yeah, thank you very much. And uh, and for those that are still listening, and I'm sure that there's lots of uh, fellow professional self cagers who are still listening, uh, you can pop over to the PASC website, which is pascuk.co.uk, and uh, and all of the information uh, can be found there. Lucy and David, can I say thank you very, very much. And I want to wish you all and everybody that's listening to your podcast a safe and prosperous 2022. Thank Thank you, you. Alistair. Thanks for coming along. Cheers.